just share with you, and I've been praying and asking God what, what, what to share, and, and I can't get away from some of, the, some of the old VBI classes, you know, not some of the classics, but some of the old VBI classes, and, and, and in my life, I've taught, I've taught a bunch of them, and I've taken, you know, a bunch of them, I mean, I've got a whole plethora of, of things and notes to go back and draw on, and I do all the time, and, you know, as I was praying, and, and, I, and over the last few months, you know, I shared a little bit about a faith, I think, in July, right, as we were headed into the putt-putt, you know, we talked about faith, but I haven't been able to get away in my heart from faith and joy and strength and some of these things, and, you know, as I was asking God about the faith part of things, why, is, why, why does that continue to stay, and why do I have it in my heart to go back, and why do I continue to pull that notebook off the shelf? Do you ever have anything that God takes you back to, you know, and I, and I go back and I look today in the bottom and the, and the notes were, were typed in 1999. So the truth is eternal, but the notes were made in 1999. And, you know, I went back and started re- go back, going back through those notes and that isn't the first time that I've done that. You know, God continues to take me back to those, those truths. Maybe when you in your situation, you have questions and you're not sure about, about what to do. And, you know, we've been talking and sharing a little bit about the next season, and maybe in this particular message, I, you know, I've just titled this The Next Step Faith, and you're going to listen, and you're going to hear the message, and you're going to say, but I heard that the last step, and I heard that the step before that too, and, and what I have learned as I've continued to walk and grow in what God has for me, and, and what we have learned in faith as we've continued to step out, that each time there's a next step, it leads most of the time to someplace different. But the things that he uses in our life and how he leads us and guides us don't change. And even though I think that I'm a great guy and I'm a wonderful man of faith, and I, you know, when God asks me to do something new, I would just say, sure, no problem, that's awesome. I, I tend to, at times, fall back on the old, the old parts, like, well, I don't know if I should do that. I'm kind of comfortable now. And, and all the things that I struggled with 10 steps before all the things that I didn't want to let go of 10 steps before, not that I still have those things, but I got other things that he's asking me to let go of. Right. And how come I got to keep going back to those basics? Because the basics are the truth that got you set free in the beginning. The basics of faith are the truths that you receive Jesus by, the truth that you understand righteousness by, the truth that you applied prayer by. It's the truth that you received the grace that Pastor Pam was talking about. It's, it's the truth of healing. It's the basic foundation of, of who we are in Christ. And then if we're going to grow to the next place, why do we think there's going to be something else or some other way? So I just felt to come back and just share with Elizabeth, and she's taught the class over the last bunch of years, but over the next, I guess, this week and another three weeks, just to go back through and share about faith, talk about the the foundation and what faith is and, and all of those kind of things. The building blocks are essential. You have to have them. And and I think as we get mature in Christ sometimes, we think we, we should we shouldn't have to worry about weight. We shouldn't have to worry about the things that it talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, you know, getting rid of the weights and the sin. And, well, I don't have to deal with that. I've been saved a long time, and I've done a lot of things. But what I've found in my life, and you probably have as yours, when you go to that next step or that next level, there's something else that, that God may be asking you to let go of. And if, and if you don't remember the lesson, you'll wander around with it for a while until somebody says that, you hear it in a class somewhere, you hear it on a TV show, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, Hebrews 12, I remember that one. 
from 1982 when I got saved and God asked me to do some things and it's 2000 and whatever it is now. And so we're just going to go back and go through some things and talk about faith and what is faith? Faith is believing. Faith is believing. And um, to understand it, we're going to start with the, the word definition of it, the Strong's definition of it, and the Greek definition of it. It says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you want to turn there and read it, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence things of things not seen. not seen. You know, faith is an established conviction of the things that we don't see and a settled expectation of future rewards. And it, it, it becomes a, a strong uh, knowing, if you will. Um, I like to liken it to this. Can you take that? Hold it. Are you going to spray that no, on me? just hold it. Okay. Just hold it. Good gravy. <laughs> no, I don't need that. I need this. Oh, okay. I needed a pen, actually. I but, thought you were going to do something um, to me. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Chill out. Okay. Right. <laughs> Thanks. What's your faith? Um, it's in God. In class, I teach about gravity because gravity is something that we know about, but there's no evidence of it. Can, can you look and see gravity? Can you touch gravity? Can you imagine gravity, what it looks like? Not really. I can't. I, you know, it's, it's just, it just is. It just exists. But if I take this lid and drop it, how many of you would believe that it's going to fall to this table? Hands? Anybody think? Okay. All right. What if I did it again? Yep. What if I did it again? Okay, close your eyes. Do you think it'll still happen with your eyes closed? Okay, close them. Don't well, no, cheat. I want to see if it's not. No, no peeking. This will be the one time it doesn't. I, I, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be a tricker. Close okay. your eyes. All right. Close your eyes. Okay, wait. I want to drop it. Oh, it hit the table again. Yeah. See, it happens every time. And I couldn't talk you out of saying, you know what? Well, if you step out of that window, you're not going to fall to the ground. You're just going to float. None of you, well, in your right mind, would believe that. <laughs> I might, there might be occasions where I could talk you into that. But in your right mind, you would not believe that. Because you have an established belief mm. of what's yeah. true. Yeah. You know that that's going to happen. I can't convince you otherwise. Now, the Word of God works the same way. Faith in what the Word says is, you know it's written there. I have, you know, I, I can't see it. I have no concrete evidence of it. I can't touch it or feel it. But I can see the, the, the fruit of it. I can see the profits of it. I can see what's going to happen because of it. That's faith. That concrete assurance. Just like I could drop this until... My arm fell off, and then my arm would fall off right beside it because gravity works the same way every time. I mean, I could pick it up and drop it and pick it up and drop it, and it works exactly the same way because that's an established law of science. Mm -hmm. This is an established law of the universe. I mean, this is just the way it works. And to have faith in it says, I know that this is real even though I can't see it, I can't feel it, I can't touch it. But I can see what happens yeah. because of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what faith is. Yeah, and you go back, and because you understand gravity when you were a young person, they taught you about it in school. Now that you're an older person, you didn't have to be retaught. You know that it's true. And you probably know more now that it's true than maybe you did as a young person. 
You know, you, you, you aren't now as an adult thinking, well, you know what? I might be able to fly. No, that was when you were eight and you were just trying to figure it out. Well, spiritually in your life, as you grow in the Lord, your faith grows too. And so now your trust in the laws of the word of God, your trust in this word that it is true begins to grow. But it's, the, it's no different receiving promises and receiving the things that are, that are promised us in the word of God. You don't, get a, you don't get a pass as you get older. You still have to use faith. And your faith is like a mustard seed, and it's planted in your life. But then that seed has an opportunity to grow. And what you do with the seed that you have is, determines the, what the growth rate of your faith is. And in, in our lives, we can't do anything without faith. You can't even come to Christ by faith. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are saved by grace through faith. Much like the, the example of the gravity and the lid, you, you don't get a badge, and you've heard me teach this and preach this for a long time. Somebody doesn't come ding your doorbell the next day and say, you know, speedy delivery, if you remember who that was. You know, if you were, yeah, speedy delivery. Mr. Rogers, thanks. I couldn't remember who it was, but I remember what it was. But speedy delivery, you know, nobody comes and gives you like your badge and says, this is from heaven, it came today. And, it, you know, it's not, it's not UPS delivering something that tells you you're saved. How do you know you're saved? I mean, in your life, how do you know you're saved? It says that your spirit bears witness with his spirit that you are a child of God, that something on the inside of you says, your spirit man comes alive. Something says, yes, there's gravity. And now as you grow in the Lord, as you continue to follow him, that can't be taken away from you. But if you learn, will you learn the next truth? Will you learn the next law? Will you understand the next truth? promise will you understand the next condition you have to grow from there a step at a time and in your life many of you and 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 have been to new places and great things and god's done wonderful stuff in your life many of you maybe just got saved who knows you know maybe you just found out maybe you've been saved a while but you haven't done anything with the word well if you if you if you've just gotten saved but you haven't done anything with the word that's like getting your your science book that says there's gravity but never ever understanding or nobody ever teaching you that and much like Isaac Newton, you're trying to figure out why the apples are falling from the tree. <laughs> Nobody ever said anything. Well, today's your day because you're going to get to hear a little bit about, about faith and what it means. Faith changes you. Faith doesn't change somebody else. Faith might not change your situation and circumstance today. It might not change it next week. And let me tell you this, and please don't take this the wrong way, it may never change your circumstance. But if it changes you, it did its job. Faith changes who you are. Say that, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it may not change your circumstance, but that doesn't matter. Faith says, I believe regardless of if I see it or not. And too many times in our lives, we, we say, I will believe it when I see it. I have to believe it whether I see it or not. And when I don't see it, I have to keep believing and I have to keep trusting and I don't go question God and I don't throw something up and say, why me? And I don't throw up all of those different situations and circumstances. I keep believing what the word of God says. Keep trusting in him. What I'm hearing the spirit speak to me and show me and then I'm led by that. And eventually, you'll see the things that God has for you. Faith is key in receiving all of his promises. You're saved by faith, but it says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, that you inherit the promises of God through faith and patience. <laughs> through faith and patience. Have patience. 
have patience. Don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you often start to worry. Remember, don't you remember the music machine? It was like, it was a VBS type thing like years ago. Many of you do remember that. I can tell you're singing it with me. Yep. Through faith and patience. Patience is key. But along with faith, you can't do anything without faith. So as you go and as you grow and as you follow the things that God has for you, allow him to go and grow with you, but allow him to grow your faith. Because you can't have this grace that's beyond your ability without faith. You can't live a life that's beyond your ability. How many of you want to live your life beyond your ability? I know what I can do, and I, I'm bored with that. So, I, you know, I, I, that, I really, I mean, I want to be in positions and be in places and do things that I know in my ability I can't do. Because that means God has to come through. But to put yourself in those positions means you have to step out in faith. You can't walk by sight. You have to walk by faith. And you can't sit and wait thinking that, you know, that eventually that it will happen and you'll just be able to step into it. You have to step out first. That's the key to faith. Um, and the more you, the next, in the next steps that you take, the more you find out that it's just about the simple things. Mm. It's getting back to the basics. It's making sure that you take care of first things first. And when you take care of first things first, then you begin to see that it's, it's really not a big, I mean, it's a bigger place, but it's not bigger because your God's the same. And the same principle that worked when you were first saved is the same principle that works now. And so um, in Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4, it says, I will stand watch. Oh, no, farther down. Sorry. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. You know, it, it's not just a suggestion. It's not for the first time that you heard from God. It's for every time. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that carries over into every level that you go with God. You know, each new season, each new level, whatever you want to call it, glory to glory, every new place, you're going to have to hear from God. You're going to have to write it down because there will be a time that you're going to have to wait for it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to keep running, and you're going to want to keep moving toward that, and you're not going to want to sit down because that negates your faith. But if you don't have it in front of you, you're trying to think, oh, I remember driving down the road, I was singing that song, it was awesome, and I thought, oh, I need to write this down. I thought, nah, I'll never forget this. It's so good. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) You you need to go ahead. Right, you begin to think your memory is going to take over for you. Back in the day, you would have pulled your car over and wrote that down. Yes. I mean, back in the beginning, you know, you would have said, I, I, I got to write that down. That was from God. But as you get a little bit farther in the Lord and as your faith continues to grow and you get going down that path, God speaks to you the same way. And then you say, ah, I'll get that later. <laughs> I, that I'm before. encouraged that because the same. I, I'm, I'm always encouraged in, in writing things down and doing those things because I, I have I have parents who have done that and pastors that we have, Pastor Pam and Bill, who, who do that every day, continually every day. Go to the park, sit down, and write the things that God is speaking right. to them every day. And, I, and I, can't, I can't imagine that my, I can't, well, you know what? I've gotten to a place of faith. I don't have to do that. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> it's not true for me, and it's not true for you, and it's not true for them either. Sorry, I didn't mean to butt in on you. That's okay. Um, 
but that's the way it works. All the obstacles that you faith face are overcome by faith. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure and take that with you. It says in First uh, John five four through five, it says, "For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. faith. He who is who who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God." Have you been drinking? What is in that juice you were drinking earlier? You are all over the place. It's Look like a big melon ball. No, it's, when, it's Wednesday, and I've been talking to seventh graders for two days straight. For whatever is born of God overcomes the I world. I said that. And this is eventually. the victory that has overcome the world. It's our faith. They who say is he lots who of overcomes? words. I, 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 I'm me. trying to read it because I can not understand it. And I say lots it. of words at them, and that's a lot of words. <laughs> now, reading it seems really hard. It shouldn't be. I'll are just, you an overcomer? Are you born? Are you talk. are you alive? <laughs> you one of those canes. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> reading that was very hard. There's lots of oh, obviously in it there. was hard. <laughs> it was it was There's sounded like some kind of Whoville tongue twister. <laughs> it seemed that way to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to be looping in there. If you're alive unto Christ, then this verse says you're an overcomer. Right. <laughs> we'll just cut to the chase. Yeah. I'm Amen. So if you're, if you're alive unto Christ, if you have Jesus alive on the one. inside of you, if you've received him as your Lord and Savior, it says that you're an overcomer, but that you overcome this world in which you, which you live, and you think, well, you go to my house, I'm not an overcomer. Well, the problem isn't your house. The problem isn't the situation and circumstances. The problem may be that we haven't gotten to the point in our life where we've put that word to practice, where, we, where we've stepped out in faith in that way. Now, we're going to talk about some practical tools and things as we go over the next couple of weeks that help us do that, no matter what level we find ourselves in. You, confession is just in, as important to the new believer as it is to the one who's been saved for a long time. And I think, you know, writing things down is just important to the new person as it is the person who's been saved a long time. Because we have a tendency as we get going to forget about the basics. Right. Finally, somebody says, you're believing what? And it's just like the craziest mixed up confession you ever said. And you can't figure out why I can't get past this next step, why I can't get to this next thing. Well, your confession's all messed up. And faith operates in confession. If you look, and I think I put those on there, I'm not sure, I thought I did, but the, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. That's not on your, on your notes anywhere. And on, on your notes, I hope it says seven things or seven ways to increase your faith. They all revolve around the word because faith comes how? By hearing and hearing the word of God. And so you can't, you can't exercise your faith by lifting weights. You exercise your faith by learning the Word. Right. And you can go through here. You can read the Word, memorize the Word, speak the Word, meditate the Word, listen to the Word, respond to the Word, act on the Word. Boy, that's a lot of Word. Yeah. Well, yeah, but aren't we supposed to be people who, who live in faith? And my faith was given to me as, a, as planted in my heart, Romans 12, 3, like a mustard seed. We all have a measure of faith that was given to us. That mustard seed can grow and be the biggest herb in the garden. It can be a little tree. Now, here's the deal. In your life, faith can grow as far as it needs to grow. But it's up to you. It's up to me to appropriate the word of God in our life, to read it, to memorize it, to speak it, to meditate it. When you listen to the great fathers or the great grandfathers or or grandmothers of faith as you go back and listen to them preach or listen to their messages, all they do is continue to quote what? The word. I was in this situation and this is the word I spoke. I was in this place and this is the scripture I held on to. See the prayer of petition. 
Jerry Seville, he's written a book, it's, it's out right now, and it goes back to some promises and things, that even he said, I, I, God had to remind me of something that I knew once. Something that I did once, because he was going into a new place, and God said, you got to go back, remember back then, back in the beginning when you was real desperate, and what I taught you about faith, and what right. I told you was true, and how you got to where you are today. Go back to that now, and let's go forward some more. To take that thing, to take that word, to take that scripture, to write it down. All the things that we're talking about are things that are in that book. To, to head toward the direction in faith of receiving the promise that God gave you. That's part of the condition side. That's part of you living the word and putting it into practice in your life. Five things your faith should do. See, believe, visualize, speak, and act. Your faith should see which is the same thing as visualize, really, but you've got to think about it. See, man, you're seeing it happen. Visualize means you, man, you are in, the, in that prayer closet saying, wow, for real. Your faith should always believe, should always speak, and always act. It's important. All of those things begin to put momentum, begin to put action toward your faith, like it says in James. Faith without works is dead. Well, those five things that your faith should be doing are action things. And that comes out of you. Well, if I'm going to confess, if I'm going to act, if I'm going to, what am I confessing? What am I acting? On the word. If I'm going to be meditating, what am I meditating? The word, the word, the word, the word. Don't give up on what God told you, and you don't have to go look for a new scripture. It may be the same scripture that God's been using with you for the last five years. It may be the same thing. And I think sometimes as believers, we start scouring the word thinking, I've worn that one out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it still works. It still works. If that's the scripture he gave you, that's the scripture he gave you. Trust him. Begin to confess it again. Begin to write that thing down. Begin to bring out those things maybe that you hadn't seen happen yet. Begin to put it to practice in your life, and you will. And you should be believing for God's best because you're moving toward hmm. his best. As you progress in this walk of faith, you're moving toward the best that he has. Because you are his best. And you, because you've been redeemed. Not because of anything you've done. Not because of anything you've earned. Not because of anything that you have in and of yourself. But because of who you belong to. And because of what he did for you. It says in Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. us. Yeah. See, he paid the price. And, and just like John preached about on Sunday, if you can't forgive others and you can't forgive yourself, then it says that what he did on the cross isn't enough for what you did. But if you can really get a revelation of that he took that for you, then you can step into something brand new. Mm -hmm. And you can begin to see yourself that way. And you can erase that rolling picture of the past from your mind that says, this is who I am. No, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. And it says in 1 Corinthians, it says, you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They belong to him. You're not your own. You're brand new. Mm -hmm. You don't have to carry all of that with you. Right. You're brand new. And your work, you are in, you are, every step that you take is in his best. Because he provided that for you with his son. It's not, you don't have to earn it. It's provided for you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be someone special. It's provided for you. 
It says that you're joint heirs with Jesus, his kin with the same rights, the same benefits, the same inheritance. And that he is, re- and we said that he redeemed you. And redeemed means to rescue by paying a price to recover the obligation of by pay. He paid a high and dear price for you. Mm-hmm. A high and dear price for you. And you get to walk in that just as if you were joint heirs with him. And I've used this example before, but when, when my father passed away, they put his stuff out. And when it came to, you know, picking his stuff, what we wanted, we all had the same rights to it because we were all his kids. There wasn't like, oh, you're a kid you're bigger than me. No, it, none of that. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm a daughter, you're a daughter, you're a son, you're a son. We all had rights to his stuff. As morbid and weird as that sounds, but we all had rights to his stuff. Freaked me right out. <laughs> yeah, we, anyway, we all had rights to his stuff. Flat out divvied it all up right there. Yeah, well, what are you going to wait for? I don't know. I'd never been to a funeral before. It was all odd. I didn't either. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> I had. But anyway, I haven't been to my parents, so I had never been in that situation. But anyway, we were all joint heirs. Now, Jesus, he did the work. He paid the price. He sat down. Mm-hmm. When we are adopted into his kingdom, he becomes our father that loves us unconditionally. We are entitled to, because of our relationship, because of what was done for us, mm-hmm. to the same benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Jesus would speak, the Holy Spirit would work. When we speak, the Holy Spirit works. When we step out in faith, just when Jesus stepped out in faith, the, the word was accomplished. What he believed, what he said, the Holy Spirit was there to meet him in that place and accomplish those things. When we step out in faith, that same relationship, that same taking care of us, that same here you go, go ahead and do it is there. We have those same rights because of who we are, because of who we belong to. Don't deserve it, didn't earn it. It's a free gift, just like salvation. So when we step out in faith, that's the confidence that we have is because we know who we belong to. Mm-hmm. Not because we're something, we are something, but in and of ourselves, we're something because of who he is. Yeah, you know, and we're supposed to get to the point as we mature in Christ that we understand that to a deeper level that we understand that more and more, that we walk in that relationship more and more. And, I, and many times I think we get busy doing the things that we're doing and, and we almost forget about that relationship. Like I've got to go back now and earn it again. Well, no, 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 we didn't have to earn it in the first place. Right. You, weren't, you weren't asked to earn salvation. You weren't asked to earn righteousness in the first place. You weren't asked to earn grace. You knew that by faith you could receive the abundance of grace. And so you, you just began to live in it, and you began to understand it, and you knew that you, would, you would didn't deserve it and that you hadn't, like she said, it wasn't supposed to be for you because you were a mess. But God did something. Then all of a sudden your life began to change. Then somehow as we walk through these steps and as we walk through seasons in our lives, we get to a point or we get to a place where we... We forget about the fact that I am his, I am his brother. I am sitting, I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He, all those things that gave me wind behind my sails when I got saved, there, that's the same wind blowing behind your sails today, 10 years later, 15 years later, four years later, whatever it might be. And don't forget about those things. Don't forget about the importance of being a joint heir with Jesus. That means something. Yes. 
When you're going from this place to that place, he is the one who's signing on the bottom line of the contract. He is the one who has the title deed to the thing that he has promised you, and he has given it and ceded it to you. And I believe that, and I receive that at one point in my life. Don't stop that in the next point, because you're going to need it more in the next place that he takes you. You're supposed to rely on the truth of the word of God to give you a springboard and to give you a little wind behind your sail as you go forward into a new place. We don't rely on the victories that we've had in him and just sit back and use those as our sofa. They are actually non-existent, and if you try to rest in that sofa, you'll fall on the floor. Your past victories are the things that give wind to your sails to go forward into the new victories. By faith. By faith. If you've ever had somebody that was telling you all the things that they've done in their life, you know, and then it stopped about five years ago. But they continue to talk about all of those things. And when you ask them what's going on and what's happening, they go back to the by faith that got them to where they were five years ago. Well, what's happened in the last five years? Because that wind is still blowing. And it blows in one direction. But we have a tendency to begin to kind of sit back and not walk like Jesus walked. It says in 1 John chapter 2 that if you figure or feel yourself or believe that you're a child of God, and I'm making this up in my own version, it says, then you ought also walk just as Jesus walked. That in this earth, in this race, and I think when we're, when we're born again and we're just saved, I think we really, we really put to practice the things in the word because we're terrified many times that we're going to make a mistake. Until we understand grace, until we understand mercy, and we get a, a, a real feel of what it is by faith that he's going to do in our lives, we, we, we don't want to make mistakes. We're doing everything we can to do it right. And then as we get a little older and we go through a few seasons in our life, we kind of let a few things maybe go. But the scripture doesn't go away that says, he who says he abides in him ought also himself just to walk as he walked. Everywhere Jesus walked, he was the same guy. As things got closer, as things got more tense to his, to his crucifixion and resurrection, he continued to stay the same person that he was way back at the beginning. He didn't change. He didn't start getting angry. He didn't start getting crazy. He didn't start going this direction. He didn't start, see, he didn't fall apart as things got tougher. He continued to be the same person that he was. So us as his followers, I guess you could say, or his brethren, we should be doing the same thing as we go from place to place, becoming the same people that we were the first day. Not going back, not slipping backwards, but going forward in all that God has for us. Jesus never lacked anything on this earth. Why then should we ever think that we would lack anything? God gave his all. And then all through the word, there's a correlation that that we are basically, and I am not saying you are Jesus, but I am saying you are like Jesus and have the authority and the power and the dominion in this earth that he had. The ability to call into existence, the, beginning, the ability to speak to your situation, the ability to walk in perfect health and sound mind. And he said he gave us his joy so that our joy would be full. So there's no reason that our joy shouldn't be full. He was in the presence of his Father, and it says in, the, in his presence is fullness of joy. That's, that's where we should be in our lives too, remaining in his presence. All of these things are things that Jesus had in this earth, and now we are the ones in the New Testament church who are walking where we are right now as Jesus in this earth. He never lacked anything, therefore we should never lack anything either. That doesn't mean we're not going to have to get out there and get on our knees and pray and and start bringing it in and calling it forth and writing it down and standing on the word and confessing the scripture and the, see, all those things. 
When Jesus began to speak, he began to ask people, he began to speak to people and tell people, what does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word say? Why was that important? Because that's where the power is. The word of God, the power and the anointing on the word of God is the thing that begins to change your life. In Matthew 7, he, say, he even said, ask, seek, knock. If, if, you, if your son asked you for a, for a fish, or he was hungry, would you give him a serpent? No, you'd give him a fish. And what he was telling us and what he was speaking to us was, anything that you have need of, I have it for you, and I will provide it for you. I will give it to you. Just ask. Seek me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as we do that by faith, how did you pull down that first thing you saw God do? By faith, what did you do? Well, I got in my prayer closet every day for a half hour, man, and just went at it. Well, then where are you today? Because I think we're moving into a new, maybe you're moving into a new season in your life. Have you written it down? Have we gone back and got a scripture? Have we got, has God begun to speak something to us? As he, as he, are, now we've got to go back now and get in that same desperate position maybe that we were then. Because when we run this race, we have to run it unhindered. Mm -hmm. As we go along, a lot of times we tend to pick up stuff and carry it with us, mm. right? I, mean, I just need this and this. And, and, and as we go along, we start to kind of maybe figure it out. And so we take things with us that we think we need to the next place. Mm -hmm. And w in Hebrews uh, 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that was set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. A weight is a heavy object used to hold something down, mental or emotional burden, overpowering force. And if you think back, I just want to take a second, if you think back to worship at the last part where it says, we are undone here in your presence. All things are new. And what God kind of was working in me in that place was, in this place, you're invincible. Mm. You're invincible. And you think invincibly. Huh. You think, in this place, you have wisdom. In this place, you have joy. In this place, you have strength. In this place, you have healing. And, it, and, it's, and if you can go back to that place spiritually where you were when you were sitting and singing and worshiping God, that's the way it felt. Invincible. And it's an unhindered, it was, a, at that point you were unhindered because your focus was on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Your focus was where it was supposed to be. It was mm -hmm. unhindered. unhindered. Because when you wrap yourself in his presence, then you feel invincible. You know that there's not, it says, if God be for me, who can be against me? Mm -hmm. And that, that when you're worshiping him and when you're in his presence in that place, then you feel like, if God mm -hmm. be for me, who can be against me? And this life, this faith life that we're, that we're leading, this faith life that we're encompassing is just letting that be our existence. Mm -hmm. Because the more we let that be our existence, the more we walk unhindered because when we come out of that place then we begin to see oh this is in front of me i don't have the money for this i i don't really feel like i'm healed i don't you know and, and when we come out of his presence that's when we begin to feel the weights mm -hmm. 
And if you're running with weights, you're not going to get very far. Yeah. In in wherever he's taking you in this new place, you have to be unhindered. You have to be unweighted. You have to be ready to go. Yeah, I like what you said because you said <clears throat> that, you know, you – as you, as you went down the race, you might have got rid of some weights, but uh, as you go, the longer you run your race, you, you, you tend to pick a few things up here and there. Uh, not necessarily things that God asked you to put down, not necessarily something that had come and God said get rid of that. You got rid of that. But as you, as you mature and as you go, I think sometimes we get a false sense of what we can do in our own strength. And so that's how people get involved in a lot of good things and not God things in their life. That's how, that's how you end up, you're kind of making the weight back, you know, as you go, not even on purpose, just really, truly trying to help somebody. And maybe you've, you've picked somebody up along the road. Now you're, you're carrying their cares. They don't know how to get rid of their cares. So you figure if you take care of their cares, then, that, then they'll be able to, to run their race a little lighter. What we need to teach and what we need, what we need to, to transfer to that person is the giving up of their cares to God, not to you. And so what happens many times is then we begin to carry somebody else's cares because we're trying to help them. You know, well, I want to I make things better, so I, I'm going to try to carry some of your cares for you, and you just tell me and I'll take care of it. Well, maybe God's trying to teach them to give them to him. Nobody said you were the burden carrier. And as we run and as we mature, that's a mature believer's problem. That's not necessarily a new believer's problem because a new believer is trying to fling off every kind of care they can because they're already overburdened. But as we get mature in Christ, we begin to do that. That's, I mean, I talk a lot about my weight and the different things, but, you know, I had lost 50 pounds about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And then over a period of time, how often does that weight come back? Over about 10 years as well what it takes, I think, because I'm back there. But I didn't do anything really different. I didn't really change my lifestyle much. See, I, I, I was on, a, I was, I was on a, a pretty diligent lifestyle when I lost all that weight. And then I pretty much stayed on that lifestyle for a long time. But then somewhere along the way over the last four or five years, the lifestyle just began to change a little bit. Just a little bit here and there, not anything big. See, but, but if you're not diligent, and I'm not saying, you know, whatever, you know, for you and your life, but it, it, what God began to show me was you, you can't, you can't, proclaim the truth that got you the victory all those years ago yet live differently now and expect the victory right you'll eventually pack back on the pounds and in our life spiritually that happens as well if you've gotten rid of the weights and you're running your race continue to get rid of the weights because they're trying to stick to you everywhere you go and as you mature in Christ, you get a little smarter and you get a little brighter and you can do a little bit more. So when you can do a little bit more, sometimes that's almost a negative for you. Because then, like I said earlier, you try to do it for somebody else. You try to help this person. Not that you don't want to try to help somebody, but it's about teaching the truth. It's about teaching faith and teaching the word and teaching salvation and teaching freedom and teaching casting cares and teaching the truth of the word of God that got you to the place where you are. Not to the point where you can hold all their cares for them. We don't want to do that. You know, it says in the, in the Message Bible, in that same scripture that she just read, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means that we better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat or parasitic sins. But then it goes on, it says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. It says, study how we did it. What did we say we needed to do with the word? See, we needed to meditate the word, speak the word, begin to memorize the word. Why? Because that's how he did it. 
The scripture says, focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the beginner and the ender of our faith. Here it says, in this, in this one, it says, study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. He, was never, he never lost sight of that exhilarating finish in God. He could put up with anything along, along the way because he never stopped. He see, when, you, when you're focused and you know what the end is and you're in the middle of it, I didn't have a problem. I didn't want to eat a cake because I was losing weight, man. I was looking good and I was headed down a path. I wasn't interested in, in all of the things that got me to the point where I was previously. Why? Because I was interested in the, in the goal. I had a goal. I had a race to run in a couple of months. It was going to be 13.1 miles, and I, I just knew that I had to do everything I can to get there. And so I overtrained, and I worked really hard, and I lost all that weight, and I got down to nothing. I mean, I was really, I was headed that direction. I had my eye on that prize. But as soon as I began to take my eye off that prize somewhere along the way, Just little by little, things began to stick. So I would just encourage you where you are, you know, are, are you focused? You know, I'm just going back, like we said earlier, just going back to the basics. Are we writing down the things that God's speaking to us as we move into this next, next, next season, next thing? Well, when I finish the thing I'm in, I'll begin to do that. But if you're like me, God's always telling me about the next thing while I'm in the midst of the thing. He gives you a little inkling here. He gives you a little piece here to let you know what's coming up as you continue to grow. We have to run with endurance. We can't run without it. Endurance describes the ability that we have to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances, having the fortitude that it takes to actively resist weariness and defeat. Endurance, it says, describes the ability that we have to continue to bear up, to continue to last, to continue to persist, to continue to fight to continue to stand under difficult circumstances, having the fortitude that actively resists weariness and defeat, that when those things come, they just bounce off of you. Whether you're a new believer, whether you've been saved a little while, whether you've been saved a long time, we're all supposed to be running a race this way, with endurance, the race that God called you to run. Laying aside the weights and the sin and the things that so easily ensnare us. When you go on to a next step, you don't wear out. You gear up. Right. And we should do it happily. Hmm. I mean, we're going to be here. We're going to do it anyway. Why not have fun while we do it? It says in uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, stand fast and move, always abounding in the work yeah. of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's a rest, as Pastor Pam mm-hmm. spoke on uh, a couple of Wednesdays ago. Pose- rest to possess. And, you know, that's a rest, knowing that you're not doing what you're doing in vain but that it's already been done for you, that the victory is already there, and you can just rejoice in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why don't you stand? You can put your, put your notes up. We're going to pray. I gave the notes out in the outline this time because I, I just wanted you to have the scriptures and have the things that, that we talked about so that you can go back and look at them. You know, maybe God's speaking to you something. Maybe God already has quickened something in your heart. You know, as we talk about next step, kind of faith and my life he's he's always taken me back to the basics 
You know, I've always found a weight that I was carrying along the way. I always, you know, even though I was, I was mature, even though I'd moved on and I'd gotten to a place in my life where, man, I was really starting to see God do some stuff. Well, as he was moving me out in another arena, I hedge a little bit, you know. And, and, and in, in your life, maybe as he begins to move you out, maybe you're a mountain, uh, maybe you're a, uh, not a mountain mover. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're a mountain go-arounder. You know, and at times, you know, you got to go around that mountain four or five times before you finally say, okay, God, I'll do it. In my life, I've had to fight that. You know, not, not that God's not, not calling us to step in straight out and go after what he has for us. I, I just, I, that's a tendency that I have. When he speaks something to me, I want to go around the mountain a couple times. Survey it. Survey it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually I just don't want to quit doing what I was doing. <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I just, I, I just, I get a little, you get, see, but I, and you think, well, I've, I've been saved a long time. I've taught this tons of times. You see, God brings me back to it every now and then. I'll just be sitting in my office by myself and I'll look over and my arm will just be reaching up and pulling that out. And I'll just be just flipping through those pages again. He's talking to me, right? But I'm just talking to myself about, man, all right, I'm, I'm with you. Maybe so I don't even know any of that stuff. No problem. You got the notes right there. You go back. Begin to look up those scriptures. Begin to hear what God's speaking, what he's saying. What he's talking to you in your life. What is the next step for you? What is the next thing that God has? In the midst of where you are right now, what does he have for you? Just bow your heads where you are. We just want to pray for you. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.